Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Out of the Abyss. Lot, Pip, and Jake here, as always. Hello. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We've been diving into aliens pretty deep lately and, like, alien-adjacent stuff. Uh, in the in the alien family. If you in the, <laughs> yeah. Cousins. Looking at mids and lights yeah. in the sky. Yeah. I, I want to join MUFON so bad, guys. Like the mutual <laughs> UFO network. I'm so into that. That sounds it's, awesome. It's like a couple hundred bucks. They'll send you like a polo shirt and a hat and a lanyard and like a, a hand guide. And... I'm ready to make it official. Yeah, was, <laughs> is the hundred bucks for like a lifetime membership thing? Is that how that works? I you think get, like, it's registered? annual. I don't know if I want to pay a hundred bucks annual. Well, I guess that you're just not dedicated enough to UFOs. Um, yep, exactly. Ah, uh, man, I guess it's just more of a white-collar thing. You call yourself thing. a believer, dude. I call myself a poor believer, dude. Yeah, you know what? Kind of relatable. It's just in the backyard throwing balls of aluminum foil up into the sky and snapping pictures of them real quick. <laughs> Shining a flashlight yeah, at them to good, get that, that good, weird, blurry light. <laughs> it's shining a tractor beam at me. Ah, it's tossing <laughs> flashlights into the sky. <laughs> this week, step back from the aliens. Let's take a step back. Let's take a look at the Amityville Horror. Getting spooky, dude. Have either of you guys ever seen the movie The Amityville Horror, like the new one or the old one? I think I saw the old one, like, forever ago. I think I meant to, but I never did. I don't really remember much about it, though, other than, like, is this is the Bleeding Walls one, right? Is it? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm, I have, I'm, I'm not prepared enough for this, I think, personally. <laughs> I'm so excited to dig into this one. This is one of my favorite haunting stories Ooh. ever. At least one one disclaimer right now. And it is true that this event happened about three years after The Exorcist came out. And after The Exorcist, it was really big, right? Things like demons and possession were way more in the forefront of the American mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, possessions and exorcisms kind of became real in the States af- only after The Exorcist. But despite that, this is a super awesome horror story. This is one of my favorites. The main part, told pretty much as George Lutz recalled the haunting happening. I listened to some interviews with him to get the material. I supplemented it with material from the book The Amityville Horror by Jay Anson. But this first part is not from either of those sources. This is confirmed by court record and police report. I did my homework on this. Oh. We, nice. be- we begin November 13th, 1974. Ronald James DeFeo, 24, went through the doors of the local bar, screaming, You gotta help me! I think my mother and father are shot! So he takes a small group of local barflies to the home that he shared with his family at 112 Ocean Avenue. They enter the house while a local guy calls the police from outside and what they found in the house was a fucking nightmare each of the family members Ronald DeFeo Sr. 43 Louise DeFeo 
43. Dawn, 18. Allison, 13. Mark, 12. And John Matthew, 9, had been shot. A 35 caliber lever action Marlin 336C rifle had been used to deliver a bullet to each family member's head with two bullets each for the parents. Oddly, Jesus. all of the family members were found face down with the bullets in the back of their head. Whoa. Further investigation by the police revealed the time of death to be about three in the morning, maybe a little bit later. Nearby neighbors hadn't heard anything, and it seemed as though the family for the most part had slept through the killings. I read a comment someone made that it seemed as though Allison and Louise had woken up, but I couldn't find any like details on what indicated that if they'd been shot in the back of the head and were found face down in bed. I will admit that's spooky, but it doesn't seem very ghostly. Yeah, it no. just sounds kind of like true crime at this point, dude. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I... Although it is pretty fucked up that, like, your whole family's getting murdered, you know, oh, wake yeah. up. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, like, Like, gunshots are pretty loud, right? Yeah. And usually, if you're being killed, you're gonna, like, say something. Yeah, it's... <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's spooky, it's a little weird, but I don't know, I don't know how many instances there are of ghosts using tools. Yeah. Unless, well, like, possession thing or something, right? We're talking about oh, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Well... I wouldn't worry too much about a ghost having committed the crime because Ronnie DeFeo Jr., who'd entered the bar and, you know, told people about his family, was promptly arrested and questioned, and he broke down pretty quickly admitting to the murders. At first, he'd blamed a mob hitman, but that guy had an alibi and everyone kind of knew that Ronnie was a piece of shit. Yo, hold so, on. So he, he just knew a mob hitman? Yeah, they were like... The, the, the neighborhood mob hitman. Don't you have one of those? Oh, yeah. He just wanders around. He's got a suit, and he he's just hands out his cards. It's like, you need somebody yeah. whacked. They were, they were a New York <laughs> Italian family. I guess. Yeah, exactly. The DeFeos. Yeah, so it's an Italian name. I guess Ronnie, of, Ronnie's Ronnie kind of the mob-adjacent name. Ronnie is totally a mob name. And any... any aim- Whoops! Any name that ends with Y is totally a mob name. Yeah, that's a good point. Prove me wrong. Ronnie yeah, Jr. We call you Jakey. You're immediately part of the mob. Yeah. Don't, don't. <laughs> I guess so. Hey, Pippi's gonna be sleeping with the cement shoes. Hey, we got no mold, Jakey here. He hates that mold. <laughs> Does this really sound Italian? I don't know what that sounds like. I can't do some accents, dude. Yeah, me neither. I just, I just don't try. Ah, well, you know, you never get better at, better at it if you don't practice. True, true. How? Never fail if you don't do it, dude. Also true. How else am so, I going to get good at my Italian accents? I wish I had an answer for you. <laughs> go to <Sorry>. Italy. <laughs> go to Italy. I like, would love anyway, to anyway, go anyway. to Italy, dude. Beautiful country. So let's reel it in. It's really so Ronnie Jr. said, Once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast. It's kind of fucked up when some dude makes murdering his whole family sound like eating a bag of potato chips. A dude just broke the seal. <laughs> and he, he claimed a whole bunch of really wild things during the trial. Like he was like, Oh, you know, I heard my family was planning to kill me. Or he was, 
you know that he said that he wanted his father's life insurance money or he said that he'd seen the apparition of a woman who gave him the rifle and told him to kill but in the end a psychologist came in testified that DeFeo had antisocial personality disorder and was using LSD frequently but was nonetheless aware that what he was doing was wrong which was evidenced by him hiding the rifle and the shell casings before he went to work the, follow, the day following the murders. Mm. And because of that, he was sentenced to six life sentences in prison. And he actually passed away just a couple of months ago on March 12th, 2021. What a piece of shit. Mm. Now, that whole tragedy is brutal. But the story that we're looking at begins a little bit after the DeFeo murders with a new family. George and Kathy Lutz had been shopping around for months looking for a new house. They were both divorced from previous marriages and remarried like to each other. And they had both had kids and they had previous homes, but they wanted to kind of like consolidate. So they said they'd sell their houses, find something that they both liked, and have like a little extra nest egg of cash for their new family. Beauty. As you do. They spent all summer and most of autumn looking for the perfect place for them to, to settle down. And finally they found it. It was a gorgeous Dutch colonial style home at 112 Ocean Avenue. And they could not believe their luck. Check this out. So it's six bedroom, Dutch colonial, big living room, big dining room, enclosed porch, three and a half baths. Finished basement, two-car garage, heated swimming pool, and a large boathouse on the waterfront, which their property is. How, how yeah, much? That's like everything you want, dude. Yeah. How, how much do you figure place. that property goes for? For comparison, so you guys have a frame of reference. I found a house for sale now, on the same street, with six bedrooms, four point five baths. It is selling for two million eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars on the market. So, what Fun do you think bit. they paid in the mid seventies for this house? Uh, I don't know, like 400, 500 grand, something like that. Yeah, that seems closer to what you would expect. I read ahead, though, and I accidentally spoiled myself on the price. <gasps> oh, no. Uh, no. Dude, you can't do that. How could, who does that? 80,000 bucks. <laughs> can, can we get a conversion to, like, today money on that? 80,000 uh -huh. is an incredible deal. That seems like something that I would, like, Easily like, you know what? That's a good... I'm going to debt. Uh, for that. I'm going to debt, I'm dude. going to debt. I'm going to the bank. I'm t yeah. I, I've, I've never had yeah. that much money at one mm. time in my oh. life, but I would go to the bank and get a loan. Converted directly across, it would be in today money, 393869 bucks. Damn. Yeah. Maybe I would. That's, that's, that's so cheap. In today money? Uh, yeah. Today money. Four, yep. 400 grand in today money? For a house for a comparable... Money for a fucking house that's like got everything you want and is big? Yeah, dude. Yeah, the comp like I said, the comparable on the oh, same yeah. street in the same neighborhood was almost 3 million. So... I can't afford the mortgage rate on a house that big, though. Even, it, even, at, a, even at a rate that good. I've done the it, math. Instantly. Instantly they were stoked. But after the viewing, the real estate agent warned them that this was the home of the DeFeo murders. And George and Kathy weren't sure what that was, but the trial was actually just concluding. And after a little bit of prodding, 
the agent told George and Kathy the basics of the sordid tale. All the all the details weren't out yet because the trial was still underway. But everyone knew that like Ronnie DeFeo murdered his family. Hmm. So, the Lutzes handled it responsibly. They call a family meeting. They tell the kids the history of the house. Everyone agrees that they can handle it. They aren't superstitious. It's such a nice house, such a nice property. More than worth it. So, they made plans for room assignments. Bedrooms allotted. Playrooms picked out. Even a sewing room was picked. Nice. And That's ev- how you know you've sold it, dude. Oh, yeah. And and this whole process, by the way, moving in, made so much easier. Because um, the DeFeo's furniture was all still there. They they got most of it with the purchase of the house and shelled out four hundred bucks for the rest. So like they didn't have the bloodstained mattresses and shit, but they had like the bed sets. They had the wardrobes and the couches and the chairs. It's one thing living in a dead person's house, but when you're like using a dead person's bed, I guess I have you on the line yeah. there, dude. I mean, they, listen, I'm I I'd be like, you know what? Yeah, sure. This house is totally haunted. Because, I mean, like, I would love to maybe see a ghost, but with all the person, old person stuff there, it's literally like you've walked into someone else's house and it's yours now, and that one feels way more hauntable than if you have all your own stuff there. Haunt level goes way up. Oh, yeah. The ghost quotient is so much higher. (laughs) So... They decided to move in, and prudently, they decided to have the house blessed when they moved in. That's probably that's the best prudent. Thing. That's one so, I wouldn't have thought to do. They call Father Ralph Pecoraro, and he goes <laughs> through the house blessing it. <laughs> that actually is name. Can, yeah? can you say his name again? Father Ralph Pecoraro. Pecoraro. Oh uh, God, I'm mature. You're mature. Shut up. That one snuck up on me. <laughs> so he finishes the blessing, and he refuses any kind of payment, and then he, he asks about one of the back bedrooms. And this was the room they didn't know at the time. This was the room where the two youngest boys had both been shot. And the Lutzes were like, oh, that, we're going to turn that into a sewing room. And the father seemed really relieved. And when he was pressed, he just said that the room made him a little uncomfortable. He didn't, he didn't expand on that. Huh. It's at that point that you'd be like, hey, uh, Father, can you just, like, that one particular room that gives you the heebie-jeebies, can you, like, double up on the blessing there? Give a little, <laughs> yeah, little... can we get a, a two-time on that, please? Yeah, you. take two. So, the father left, and it was time to start unpacking. They did so and began their time in the house. It was December 18th, 1975, and the Lutz family would remain in their new Amityville home for only 28 days. Huh. It's a lot of long time, dude. What happened to them? Uh, I, I think it got haunted. <laughs> no, I'm not an expert, but... <laughs> I, I ain't think... one of them big city ghost experts, but I uh, reckon... <laughs> I reckon there was a horror. So, according to George... One of the first weird things was that their youngest daughter, Missy, acquired a, a new imaginary friend. Oh, That's good no. stuff. That's always how it That's starts, That's always dude. just a bad sign. If I ever have kids yeah. and they get an imaginary friend, I'm immediately going to be creeped out. <laughs> it's not real. It's in your fucking head. Shut up. You're alone. I never had Showed an imaginary friend. 
That's, that's surprising, actually. Joey, yeah. Missy, <laughs> proudly. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we just immediately went on. Dude, it was I, I tried so hard to just like head off the conversation after that perfectly timed jab so that we could just <laughs> move on. <laughs> oh, thank you. Jody, uh -huh. Missy exclaimed proudly, was the name of this new erstwhile companion. And now this is just good old fashioned fun. This is some classic kids being creepy as fuck shit. Cause Missy starts They're asking that, questions. She's like, are there angels? She's like, can angels talk? And then, she, you know, she moves on to, oh, Jody is an angel. And then my personal, one of my personal favorites, Jody says, we'll all live here together forever. Yep, mm. pack your kid, pack your things, kids. We're moving. Hey, Father Pecoraro, can you come back? <laughs> it's, it's not that funny, dude. <laughs> it really isn't that funny. Dude, yeah, can, can, can we get good? a refund on that blessing? <laughs> the father's like, did you keep your receipt? <laughs> also, the holy receipt. <laughs> Uh, how long is that blessing good for? <laughs> What's the warranty on that? You didn't pay the four ninety nine for the two year extended warranty. <laughs> can I George. get a, a blessing subscription? <laughs> <laughs> it's like subscribing to like a program where if you go on like an annual plan, it's cheaper per month. Yeah, like a. <laughs> A loot box for prayers every just like once a week you got like some rosaries and incense if you buy the maximum package you get like 30 percent free blessings there you go dude bonus Holy blessings. payment plan dude <laughs> once a month a free in-person blessing <laughs> george also began to wake up at 3 15 a.m every night like three in the morning and he could never get a full night's sleep. There'd be a knock at the door with no one there, or a feeling like he'd wake up and be like, I left the door unlocked, except it wasn't, or he'd just have a vague anxiety. But always, every night, 3.15 a.m. George kind of started to get surly and grumpy from this lack of sleep, right? As you do. Right. Plus, the house was always cold. Granted, this was a New York winter, which I hear gets really cold and wet. Fuck if I know, but... No matter how big of a fire they'd build in the hearth, it was always cold. And then came a whole goddamn litany of tiny little plagues. The toilets would become filled with a black ooze that wouldn't disappear. The sewing room became filled with flies that would coat the windows and make an audible hum. I mean, I had one summer that was a little like that with the flies. Not with the, you know, the goo, but... Yeah. Not the goo. <laughs> Listen, you get enough flies, it's it's a lot, dude. And the, yeah. the crazy thing, though, is like, this was winter. Like I said, the house was always freezing. And they were clustered around a window that led to, like, outside. So, like, how the fuck were these flies there? I don't know. You see, if that happened, you just open the fucking window. They will all drop dead from the cold immediately. You could see them go they like, did, They did that, but there would just be more flies. There's just always more flies. Alright, well, you close the door, open that window. That room is not part of the house anymore. <laughs> Problem solved. Thing is, it's all cold, so you can't leave the window open. That's why you shut the door. Put a towel under there. This... Seal it. <laughs> this was around Christmas. 
and George and Kathy began to prepare for the holiday, despite the flies and the cold and the black ooze. And the black ooze, by the way, was accompanied by this really nasty smell that, like, I was just kind of bitching about. It necessitated them opening all the windows in the house to, like, air the house open, or air the house out to get rid of the smell, which would just make the house colder. It's a lose-lose situation, dude, honestly. Yeah. Although, I mean, the the, the bad smell ooze may, might be just like a weird sewer issue. <laughs> One of them just destroyed the toilet and was too ashamed to tell anyone. Wait, wh- hold on. When the hell did I become a skeptic? I thought I can't... I went into this trying to be a believer, and I've become more skeptic. Yeah, that's what happens. You realize how ridiculous some of it is, dude. When you're faced by the truth, some people just can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Now, okay, part, of, okay. part of Christmas prep is, of course, Christmas shopping. But neither George nor Kathy found that they really wanted to leave the house. And it became kind of a bone of contention between them, a source of arguments and fights. But after a lot of bickering and tension, it finally arrived. Christmas morning, December 25th. Oh, glorious. George awoke at 3.15, and he looked over at Kathy, and he saw something kind of odd, because Kathy had begun a curious habit. In fact, the whole family except George had developed a curious habit. They'd all started sleeping on their stomachs, face down. Oh. George Hmm. brushed her checking and you know she woke up instantly screaming she was shot in the head she was shot in the head i heard the explosions in my head and you could set this aside as an expression of fear you know some kind of release valve for her mind under all the stress and the move and the holiday and the shadowy history of the home and the fates of the people that lived there except the detail of exactly where and when and how the defeos had been murdered had never been released to the public hmm that's a shame, because I think if they had been, then perhaps that weird, sudden, hey, she was shot in the head, she was shot, then somebody else could have been like, oh my god, just like the DeFeo murders. <laughs> that might have been a good indication, get the fuck out. That man. might have been, you know, a significant clue for people to know. A little bit of a red flag? Yeah. Well, George helped Kathy relax, fall back asleep. Then, as was his habit... At 3.15 in the morning, he went out to check the boathouse because he developed this kind of fear that it was being like broken into or or tampered with somehow. And he'd go out every night to check it when he woke up. The boathouse was fine. It was locked. It was secure. Their dog, a big black Malamute named Henry, was just vibing nearby. Nice. But George looked back with the half moon lighting up the side of the home and he saw something that made him really, really scared. Missy, his daughter, was staring at him from the second floor bedroom window. She was pale and alert, with her eyes tracking his movements in the yard. And behind Missy, George got his first look at Jody, the angel, the imaginary friend. Looming over his daughter's shoulder was the bestial face of a giant pig with glowing red eyes. So he flips out. He races into the house. He's so scared for his daughter. He bursts into her room and she's asleep. On her stomach, face down in the pillow like everyone else in the house. Sleeping soundly, but weirdly. 
the little rocking chair by her closed window was slowly and steadily creaking back and forth. Oh, no, dude. It's at that point that you point at the, quote, empty chair and say, you need to fuck off. Yeah. This is, this, by the way, this this kind of thing is actually one of the reasons that I refuse to have any empty chairs facing my bed at any time. (laughs) I I will turn the chairs away before going to bed. And I don't trust like that, dude. It's an open seat, and it's an invitation. And, and that's just one example of the kinds of phenomena that were happening in the house, because it was a lot of really weird stuff. Like, um, George had received a foot-tall lion statue for Christmas that was made of, like, porcelain. Weird gift, but, was, but okay. Well, what was really weird... This is the 70s, man. Oh, yeah, really you're right. Was that Kathy started seeing the statue move about the house? She didn't see it move, but it would be in one place, and she'd like look up, and then she'd look back, and it would be a couple inches closer to her, or further away. I like the elf. And then after itself. a bit, she started to find it in different rooms. But it kind of came to a peak when one day George was throwing more wood on the fire, as was his habit, because it was always cold. When he mm. let out a shout, he tripped over the statue which was on the floor instead of on the table where it was kept. Weirdly, though, George had little tooth marks on his ankle. Shit like this would keep happening with the statue until George eventually threw it away. They were just like, I can't do this. Hmm. And activity certainly happened all throughout the house. But oddest of all, was the activity in the sewing room. The room that the father hadn't liked. The children had begun to whisper. They were curious about why they weren't allowed to play in that particular room. With the flies and the cold and the bad feeling it gave everyone. When the kids were thinking about it, Missy claimed that it was, and I quote, because Jody is in there. And the older boys made fun of her for it. Jody's not real. But Kathy noticed that despite the closed door of the room, she kept hearing sounds from it, banging, like someone opening and closing a window. And Kathy would check. She'd be like, okay, where are the kids? You know, Missy's in her room. The two boys are outside playing. No one else is in the house. And then she would pop the door open, and the window is shut. And she's like, shut, latched, okay. And she'd step out, and then the banging would start again. And she tried really hard to ignore it. Can you measure one day where you keep checking, like, there's got to be something going on there. You open it one, just once, that that you see the angel. The quote, sorry, quote angel. (laughs) Turns out, trying to ignore that stuff was kind of a bad play. Because doors and windows started slamming in other rooms as well. George and Kathy would be awakened in the middle of the night because their covers would be ripped off their body and the bedroom door would slam open and several windows on the second floor of the home would slam open as well, letting in a cold wind. And this would happen again and again and again. I thought it was kind of interesting noting this, that remember that um, sleep deprivation and exposure to cold are two like really classic torture techniques? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think uh, I didn't think of that till now, actually. That's yeah, I didn't. Point. I didn't make that connection, but dang, you're right. Uh, gonna need to upgrade that blessing to an exorcism, there, Father. Yep. Perhaps a couple of them. Just to be maybe, sure. M- maybe more than a couple, because this just kept ratcheting up. 
George would wake up to his 3.15 a.m. supernatural alarm clock and see his wife floating over the bed, covers thrown to the floor, whole house so cold that they could see their breath. Even I don't like that at all, dude. Even stranger, a few times after that happened, it went a step further. He saw his wife transform in front of him. She would levitate, and then her face would shrivel up, and her hair would become white like an old woman. It's like fucking digivolves in front of this guy's face, dude. Oh, yeah. And oh, the like you've chosen the wrong cup in the like the Holy Grail. Yeah. And you just yeah. turned to a skeleton. Exactly. Sometimes the change would last for hours. Kathy would look like a woman in her 90s. No teeth, white hair, deep, lined face, eyes set way back in the skull. Did he ever, like, say anything about it? Like, hey, babe, why you look so old? Yeah, and then she ran to the bathroom and checked, and she was freaking out, too, because she also saw it. Oh, my God. uh, Yeah, okay. I thought she she was just, like, asleep and levitating, and then, you know, she would, like, levitate back down and wake up and be like a regular woman again or something and Dude, well, like god someone aged that rapidly in front of your face would actually be yeah one that like, would fuck so me up fucking weird to yeah. imagine someone you someone's like hey you're super old for some reason you're like what <laughs> go look at the mirror right now and you do <laughs> and oh, you are up, dude <laughs> jesus what would you do i'm like oh, why i gotta moisturize i, I guess my first thought would be that I, I would have to be hit with this immediate fear that I have, like, Alzheimer's and have just forgotten 60 years of my life. Oh, my yeah, God. Exactly. That'd, That'd be, be my fucking... first, and I'd be like, oh, fuck. That'd be so fucking scary, dude. So, they're freaking out, because this is a lot. Bills are mounting. Yeah. George's business wasn't doing so hot, and the pressure was really on. Shit is happening. Missy had taken to saying... <laughs> I love that Missy is just this constant source of terror throughout the story. Um, she'd take into saying goodnight, mommy, goodnight, daddy, goodnight, Jody, before bed every night, and they just could not take it. So I know what it is. Kids, ca- mm-hmm. the kid's pineal gland hasn't been as calcified as the parents. Yeah, it's it hasn't been sensitive. calcified from the fluorinated water. Yeah. <laughs> so they call susceptible. Father, they fall call Father Pecorero to come back and re-bless the house. And he I was be- taking a drink, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, he wouldn't, because he said that he'd become really sick and developed like stigmata after the first blessing. Huh. So he you, says no. Can you so refer us to another holy man then? <laughs> so they decide, you know what? Fuck it. We're blessing the house ourselves. Let's do it. Grab a Bible. Grab a crucifix. So they try to bless the house. They're reading from the Bible in each room. (laughs) And I'm sorry, but every time someone talks about doing this themselves, I don't picture The Conjuring where, like, Ed Warren is standing there screaming loudly, made gesturing. I picture Monty Python and the Holy Grail where the monks are walking, like, speaking Latin and then smacking themselves in the face with a board. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> Domi, Domine. Swamp. Domi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they try to bless the house. They're reading from the Bible. But they'd hear loud noises, like a cacophony of carolers calling out. And eventually they were forced to stop because it was just shrieking, telling them to stop. Just all these voices like it was just in their ears. And they would try um. again 
and again and get stopped each time. No way, dude. If you start to bless your house and you get a reaction, then you are doing the right move. Do not stop. Put some earplugs in. All right, so here's a real question, though. Like, does that shit actually work? If you bless, like, like I don't know, like, supernatural stuff, does it actually do anything? Or are they just, like, fucking with you? <laughs> Start carrying I mean, iron and salt or something? I don't know, dude. I will tell you that in the Catholic tradition, you can't perform an exorcism if you're not a priest. Right. Um, How so do you become no? a priest? Uh, by attending a seminary. Doing the schooling and learning mm. to be a priest. Damn. I was hoping you can get like an online priesthood. I mean, you probably can, honestly. These days, but. Uh, for a lot of religions, but Catholicism's a little bit more orderly. Old school. Yeah, it's a little structured. They've had some time to build up the bureaucracy. Hmm. The priest at this point wasn't answering their calls, by the way. They'd called and it would just be bumped down the line. And then, something new. A green slime that was manifesting coming down the wall as if it was leaking from the ceiling. And they kept looking for a source of this goop, but they couldn't find anything. It was just forming at the top of the wall and rolling down like green jello. Is this the the bleeding walls bit? Yeah, the bleeding itself was just Hollywood being Hollywood. Gotcha, gotcha. Is that the origin of like why Goosebumps always had that, that green slime sure dude is that what the reference is I, I think green slime is just a spooky thing yeah I don't, I don't know if it's in reference to this or not I, I, I think know, it's just, the... you mentioned that and I was immediately like oh just like the every Goosebumps scene transition I, I think it's the green slime I think is a combination of early horror influences like the blob mixed with things like Linda Blair vomiting in The Exorcist hmm. yeah which are like two of the most like foundational sources for modern horror. Wait, so is that ectoplasm? Uh, no, ectoplasm is something else that has to do with spiritism and Helena Blavatsky and this whole movement from the the nineteenth century that I will get into at a later date. Interesting. Okay. So, on January eleventh, their twenty fifth day in the house things really started to go wrong. The house had developed a multitude of leaks somehow. The rains and the wind of the night before had broken ten windows and warped a bunch of their window locks, which kept them from being fully closed, because this was the 70s and they had those old-school fucking windows. Oh, yeah, they used, like, actual wood and never sealed it. Yeah, so the cupboards inside had become water-bloated and they were chipping. The whole house seemed to be degrading around them. Like, take a snapshot of the house, take a snapshot of the house, you know, 60 years later after wear and tear, you know, it gets those weird angles and sags and everything's kind of falling apart. It was like that transformation. The temperature inside, still freezing. Everything inside is wet and soaked and starting to get frost on it. The green goop was still coalescing and the atmosphere of the whole house was getting more and more tense and angry. The family would all sleep on their stomachs, and George would find them cold and unresponsive when he checked them during his nightly 315 romp. While George was in the middle of a meltdown one time, just freaking out about the bills and everything, Missy came to him, and she said, Daddy, 
Jody is in my room and she wants to talk to you. Sorry, he wants to talk to you. And there was some careful prodding and questioning and Modi, Missy revealed that Jody wasn't just an angel, but a great big pig. And George flipped out and ran upstairs. He didn't see anything. And Missy informed him that Jody had to go outside, but now she was back and she wanted to be let in. George and Kathy looked up and saw two beady, glowing red eyes in the window of the room. Not as if something was outside, but as if something was peering from the glass of the window itself. Yikes. Kathy mm. freaks out, throws a fucking chair at the window. So they hear a squeal as if in pain and the glass breaks. <laughs> so they keep questioning Missy about Jody because they're like, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? And Missy proceeds to explain that Jody was a pig, but also an angel. Because he told me so, she said. He talks to me. In fact, Missy would then go on to explain, Last night, he said that I was going to live here forever, so I could play with the little boy that's here, that died. Mmm. Like that. Small freakout. It's the little one. So the little baby freak out, dude. So they tried to tough it out for a few more days, but they just couldn't. It hit that point. They were all sleeping in one bed. The kids were missing school because no one was sleeping. No one wanted to leave the house. Appetites had died. They just couldn't do it anymore. So they fled, leaving most of their possessions behind. It's at that point that you burn your own house down. Yeah. You bought it. It's yours. Fuck the ghosts. Haunting in Connecticut style at the end where yep. he just burns the whole place. Yeah, but yeah, the the marriage didn't last very long after that. Wonder why. And unfortunately, the story does have kind of a disappointing end. Oh. We investigate the claims. It's really starting to come around. Yeah. yeah. Same. We investigate the claims, and they they fall apart. The Warrens became involved at one point, which like immediately kind of cast like a question mark on it. And the father involved, like the priest, swore under oath that he wasn't involved at all with the case. He was like, I didn't know these people. They literally called me once and were like, something's in our house. And I was like, you'll want to call the police. And that was it. Hmm. Over the years, uh, the kids, too, have said that it was a hoax. Yeah. But God damn if that isn't like some awesome haunting material. I had really wanted to get clips of the Art Bell interview. Because Art Bell did a nice interview with George Lutz. And um, I just didn't have time. But I was thinking I want to do an episode sometime with audio clips, disturbing audio clips. Oh, we man. Can listen to a bunch of those, and I can put some excerpts from the interview in there. Because the, uh... I'll, uh, I'll give it to George. He sells the story. You can hear the fear in his voice. You were talking about spooky audio clips. We can definitely get the uh, the Kool-Aid incident in there. Yeah, Jonestown. Kool-Aid I was... incident? You know the Kool-Aid incident. Uh, yeah, Jonestown. It's it, it, By the way, freaky. it was Flavor-Aid, not Kool-Aid. <sighs> Can't believe they would go out on cheap brand Kool-Aid. Oh, the the, the suicide cult thing? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, there is audio of that incident of them all drinking it and being like, "All right, hey kids, drink up." Yeah, the speech, for us. the speech yep. that Jim Jones gave. I was thinking that uh, there's some nine one one calls that would be out 
well, I don't want to say a fun episode, but that's that would be an interesting episode. Um, <laughs> there's one like I, I feel bad. People are gonna be like, you shouldn't laugh at this, but um, the phone call of that lady who owned a chimpanzee, and she was like doping up the chimpanzee, and uh, the chimpanzee had hit puberty and started getting kind of testy. And it wanted to go for a car ride. And she was like, no, no car ride. And then the chimp, like, flipped out and uh, ripped off her friend's face. Oh, yeah. But (laughs) the phone call is just this lady. I mean, I don't blame her. She's hysterical. But she's literally just being like, you got to kill him. Get the police. They got to bring guns. And the, 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 (laughs) the guy answering the phone sounds totally... Totally disinterested. He's just like, what's happening, ma'am? He's he's eating her. Eating who, ma'am? What is happening? And it's like... Oh. I, we, will, we will play and listen to a bunch of those, even if it's dark. And I'll get some good interview bits in there, too. Is, there, sure. is there, like, royalty issues with those? For some of those more high-profile uh, audio clips? I think it's... I think it's uh, public record. Yes, right? public All record. Right. All right. That'd be a good theme for an episode. Yeah. But that's the end for Amityville. At least for now. The house was bulldozed. They split apart. They've both since passed away, George and Kathy. Probably um, for the see, best with the bulldoze. Like, my only experience with Amityville is from the movie, right? Like, there's a lot more in the movie that I guess was just like super dramatized, right? Yeah, and I will I will also say that I had to I had to gloss over a lot of stuff. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, because we aren't gonna do like a seven hour Amityville podcast. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck that shit. Um, unless there is an episode that is like multiple parts, multiple parts. Just so everyone knows, that's when I've hit a topic where I'm like, this needs this has too much depth and it requires more than just forty five minutes an hour of talking about. I have to. That's when you'll see me really go in. Any topic other than that, I'm probably glossing over some stuff due to time constraints. Yeah, makes sense. Well, we don't have all the answers because I just don't have the time to tack on another hour of podcasting to go over all of the disavowals of this case. But we want to thank everyone for tuning in. As per usual, we've been hitting around 600 views total. Big news. I've been getting a little pretty pog, dude. I've been getting a little research assistance lately, so I'm hoping to tackle a pretty big case next week and the week after. We'll see what happens. Ooh. Any check teasers? out um Alien Abduction. Nice. And they did make a movie out of it. Those will Ooh. that's that's the teaser. Check out our Twitter at O O T A underscore P O D or our Patreon at patreon.com slash O-O-T-A-P. Take care, and remember, everything has an element of the unknown. Good night. Good night.